0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. There's some things here that I really want to get into in Romans chapter 12 before Pastor Nancy... Uh, came last weekend. I had been talking about the concept of the renewing of the mind. And so I want to start in verse 1, and we're going to read verse 1 and 2 again. And then I want to, uh, to apply this in, in a little different way than we have applied it. Verse number 1 says, "'I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice.'" We've pointed out again, this is not got something God is going to do for you. He's not going to make you do it because if he made you do it, it wouldn't be a sacrifice. Amen. We are to present our bodies as, li- as living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is our reasonable, that is, our rational, our fault provoked uh, conscious worship uh, to the Lord. Verse 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Normally, uh, or I should say ordinarily, uh, would be a better word, we uh, are in the habit of interpreting this scripture in the sense of our covenant rights, what belongs to us as Christians. And we are to renew our minds to think like God thinks. And it's right that we do that, It's right that we apply it this way because it's part of our mandate. It's part of the vision God has given to us and that is to to bring knowledge of our inheritance and what belongs to us and how to live by faith. And so to renew our mind uh, with our covenant rights, to believe those rights, to speak those things and act on those things, that's something that we are especially called to do. But having said that, that's really not the application of renewing your mind in this passage of Scripture. That's not the subject at hand. Like I said, it's one of those things that it can be applied to, and rightfully so, and we do that, but that's not really ultimately what he's actually talking about. He's not talking about in light of our covenant rights. But again, it would apply to that, right? And so we usually, what what I'm talking about is we usually say, you know uh, 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 don 't be conformed to this to this world 's thinking where your health is concerned or where your or where your finances are concerned don 't be conformed to religious tradition but be conformed to be transformed by the renewing of your mind get your mind renewed with the word you know when when for instance when uh, the the uh, uh, covid virus uh became uh, we became aware of it about exactly a year ago. Uh, there was a lot of fear that was being spread. And we acknowledged here at our church at the very outset that this is a legitimate virus. It is a legitimate health issue. It's not, it's not uh, the, the coronavirus isn't fake. It's an actual virus. And it was a virus that there was no natural immunity to. And it spread from one nation and one continent to another, which is the classic definition of a pandemic. And so in that sense, it was dangerous. But we at the outset, at the very beginning said, but we have knowledge of something the world doesn't have. And that is that by his stripes, we were healed. If we were healed, we are healed. He said, I will take all sickness away from you. Another translation said, I will remove sickness away from your company. And so out there in, in actually in here, the Sunday we were in here and then the following Sunday out there and the next Sundays out when we were outside, we made bold declarations that, that we will not succumb to this virus. Now we acknowledge the fact that some people will probably get it. Because people get the cold, you know, the common cold in our church, right here in our faith-filled church. People come down with other things. They catch things and and come, you know, down with sickness and disease right here in our faith-filled church. So we weren't saying that we weren't going to be affected by it. We were saying we were not going to be overcome by it. And we would not be afraid. Put a banner up over the front of the, of the church, fear not, believe God, amen? amen? And that was our position. But as time has moved on, some people have become fearful. They've succumbed to the spirit of this age and the fear that's being promoted from every quarter, from everywhere, and especially in Alachua County. They've still got us in an emergency situation and there is no emergency. There is no medical emergency in Elijah County. There's very little spread at all. But we're still in an emergency situation because that's our county, you know. So people, what I'm saying is people, Christian people have been affected. They've allowed fear to get into them. I'm not saying that that if you take precautions, you're in fear. I'm talking about you're, you can be in fear whether you're taking precautions or not. Amen. So just because somebody has a mask on or the next person doesn't have a mask on, is no determination whether one's in faith and the other one's in fear. Some people have to do things because of, their, uh, because of who they live with or where they work or whatever. But what I'm saying is fear, we're not to let fear dominate us. We're to renew our minds... With the truth. Well, amen. So that's, that's the way we uh, are accustomed to applying this in our church because these, these are things that we confront every day. The world's ideas and, and the circumstances of life are constantly presenting themselves to us and challenging what the Word says. So we're not to be conformed to those things. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now, this word conform, we're going to talk about what this actually, principally, I should say, what its fundamental application is. Are you ready? Do not be conformed. Now, of all, I'm not a, you know, I, I don't speak Greek. I, I know the Greek alphabet. That's about all I know. Uh, I can't write or read Greek and so, uh, you know, I, but I can read English and barely speak it, but I can read it, and I can read what commentators and Greek scholars say. And this word conformed and the word transformed are very uh, colorful words in in the sense that in their meaning, there's a lot of inherent meaning, not just applied meaning, but there's a lot of inherent meaning in these particular words that require, <clears throat> excuse me, we require a little bit of, of uh, explanation and going over in order to really get the point of what's being said. A.T. Robertson, I have a, a, a series of, of books by him, it's a set, and it's called Word Pictures. In the New Testament, uh, Kenneth West has a set. And his set is called "Word Word Study." Where, I'm looking for I'm looking for for uh, for Brother Doug. Where's he at? Is it Word... Stu- we said is word studies in the Greek New Testament. Robertson is word pictures. I have both of those sets. Robertson says this. He's a, a very well known and, and highly regarded Greek scholar. He said the verb means. Do not be conformed to another's pattern, to some other pattern. Do not be, but it's not just be conformed, but don't be conformed to to someone or something else's pattern. He translated it this way, and, and this is important because the Greek doesn't just say do not be conformed. The Greek actually says stop being conformed. So this was something that the Romans, the Christians there in Rome, were obviously guilty of. They were being conformed to this world. And he said, don't do that anymore. Halt that, stop that, change your direction. And so Robertson translates this, stop being fashioned after the world. Stop being fashioned after. After the world. Now we'll hear this word fashion a few more times, and when we're talking about fashion, we're not talking about uh, styles of clothing, that sense of fashion. But it can apply to that. I said it can apply to that. But it's really talking about the manner or the way of this world, fashion in that sense. Kenneth Wiest, Translates this this part of this verse, this far, first part of this verse, and he's this way he says, "Stop assuming an outward expression. That means in your in your uh, the way you look and act, and act and talk and so forth. Stop assuming an act an outward expression that does not come from within and is not representative of who you are in your inner being." but is patterned after this age. Well, let that soak in for a minute. Let's, let's read that again. Stop assuming an outward expression that does not come from within you and is not representative of what you are in your inner being, but is patterned after this age. He goes on in his commentary to say, stop masquerading. What, what do you do when you go to a masquerade party? You put on a costume that hides who you really are and you do that to put on an image of someone you are not. Evidently, that's what the Romans were doing and it's what a lot of Christians are doing today. Amen. He said, stop masquerading in the trappings of this world. He used a different word but trappings, but it's a weird word, word, so I won't use it. Stop masquerading in the trappings of this world. It's mannerisms, speech expressions, styles, habits, thoughts, views, and philosophies. Do you think that might have an application today? That's what he's really talking about. He's telling the Christians, born again people by the way, born again, spirit filled, tongue talking, Holy Ghost filled believers to stop masquerading in the trappings of this world. It's mannerisms, speech expressions, styles, habits, thoughts, views, and philosophies. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you don't have to turn there, but it says, The fashion of this world is passing away. Don't pattern your life after the world and what it thinks and what it looks like and how it behaves, because everything about this world is passing away. Now, when it says the world, there's, there's, a, there's two prominent Greek words in the, in the uh, New Testament for world one is cosmos. And the cosmos refers to the, the uh, manner of life, not manner of life, that's, that's the wrong way to say it. Cosmos has to do with, the, with uh, mankind, civilization, that sort of thing. The other word is ion. And, the, and it's translated, ion is translated world more often than it's translated age, but age is a far better Translation. It's the preferred translation. He's really saying, he's not saying don't be don't be patterned after the world so much, but but, though it's true, but don't be patterned after this age. Because this age is, is powerfully influenced by darkness. Spirit of this age. The amplified Bible in the first part of, of uh Romans twelve two here says, Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after, now listen, and adapted to its external superficial customs. Do not be fashioned after and adapted to the external, superficial customs of this age. One, let me read you what a couple of Greek uh, scholars said about this in, in commentary, elaborating on it. And I think this is, can, can be helpful. One man said, All that floating mass of thoughts, opinions, maxims, speculations, hopes, impulses, aims, and aspirations which are at any time current in this world being the moral or immoral atmosphere which at every moment of our lives we encounter. All this is included in the idea of the ion, this age. Another writer said this describing the ion. He said the subtle informing spirit of the cosmos or world of men who are living alienated and apart from God. i want to read that again. The subtle informing spirit of the cosmos or world of men who are living alienated and apart from God. This world is lost. This world, men living today on this planet primarily are lost. And the men who are driving the age, the influence that's, that's among men and the people driving that, it's, it's, it's not of God. It's anti-God and anti-Christ and anti-Bible. And we have to be on guard against that because it's more subtle than you think it is and it's more evident in the church than you think it is. It is. I mentioned this a few weeks ago because I started to get in this and then I, uh, the Lord had me go uh, and spend more time laying the foundation on, on uh, renewing the mind. But I said this, the Germans have a great word for this. I love this word. I, I read this word years ago Thinking of it, see, I I came up in the in the uh, in the in the 1960s, and this, the 1960s you could say was an ion culturally. A lot of change took place in the nation, and so I, I read about the 60s Zeitgeist. That's the German word, the Zeitgeist, and I just thought it was a cool word. And and this Greek scholar actually pointed it out here. He said the Germans have a word for it. And it's the zeitgeist. And according to the, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, this is, this is so accurate to what I'm talking about. The zeitgeist or the spirit of this age. That's, that's another way of saying, that's another way of translating the zeitgeist. So the, the, the 1960 zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. The general intellectual, moral, and cultural climate of an era the general intellectual, moral, and cultural climate of an era. He said, don't be conformed to this world's, to this, to this world's era, this world's age, the spirit of this age. The Phillips translation here in this part of this of Romans says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. But the spirit of this age has crept into the modern church. And we are to renounce it in all its forms, giving it no quarter whatsoever in our lives. Because it will ruin your walk with God. It will ruin your, It will nullify your testimony. I'm going to skip ahead just a minute since I said that. Let me just skip down my notes a little bit and read this. One writer said this. He said, the modernism of your mannerism nullifies the fundamentalism of your doctrine. (laughs) The modernism of your mannerism nullifies the fundamentalism of your doctrine. Well, that's true. Let me go back up and I'll get back to that. Do stop being conformed to the way this world thinks. And behaves, but see, we're better at identifying not conforming to the world's behavior than we are not conforming to the world's thoughts. So you can say, "Well, you know, I used to, I used to to be a big partier. I used to drink, used to use drugs, used to be promiscuous, promiscuous. I don't do any of that anymore." So I have changed. Yeah, but what do you think like? Behavior is one thing and that's important, but how do you think? And what are you trying to identify with? What are you wanting your co, how do you want your coworkers to see you? Are you really wanting them to see Christ? Are you wanting them to see that you're cool with their behavior? And that you're not judgmentalist, judgmental and that you're okay with everything and you're cool with everything. What, what are you trying to present? Well, praise the Lord. Good questions. The next part of this verse says, after it says, stop being conformed, instead be transformed. Be transformed. West says this. He says, but change your outward expression to one that comes from within and is representative of your inner being, your true inner being. Be transformed. The word transformed is, is very interesting. It comes from two words. The word is metamorpho. And it comes from meta, which means an exchange, and morpho applies to a person's outward form. It applies to a person's outward form. So a transformation is a, a, an exchange of someone's outward form. And that's why we said change your outward expression to one that comes from within and is representative of your inner man. It's where we get the word Metamorphosis. All of us remember when we were in school, we heard, we read about and studied about how, you know, the the ugly caterpillar becomes the beautiful butterfly. Well, that beautiful butterfly was inside that caterpillar all the time. Everything that you see in that beautiful, colorful, not icky (laughs) creature that you want to land on your hand and they're just so beautiful, and you might even, if you're real sadistic, you might want to catch them and, and put them in a book someplace and squash them, you know. But you're not grossed out by them. But those caterpillars are icky. You really don't want to touch one. If you're out in the yard and one drops on you, you're just like, All right? You're definitely not going to squash it and put it in the book. That <laughs> right, all that yellow gook comes out. You know, uh. <laughs> I ate some food in Africa one time that reminded me of that. I still, I still think about that. <laughs> but the point is, in that, in that caterpillar, is the, is the essence of that butterfly. That butterfly is locked up in that caterpillar, and it has to go through a metamorphosis so that the outward form changes to to display what God put in it. Well, he's telling us, stop being conformed. Stop allowing your outward expression, your outward thoughts, behaviors, philosophies, philosophies, ways of thinking, he said, stop letting your outward man, the outward expression, uh, be, a, be influenced and dictated by this world when on the inside, that's not who you are. Instead, be metamorphosed. Let the inside come out to the, the in, yeah, the inside make a, 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 a display on the outside. Amen. It's the word that was twice translated in the Gospels when Jesus was transfigured. Remember that? When he went up on the mount, took uh, Peter and John with him and they were up there, you know, and, and uh, Peter, James, Peter, James, and John. And it says that suddenly his countenance changed and and he was white and glistening like the sun shining. We see... Ordinarily, Jesus was... Now, we know that Jesus was God in the flesh. He wasn't just a form of God. He was the creator. And, of course, he is still. But he was... They had on their hands, in the form of a a natural man, they had the very creator of the universe in all of his glory. It was in there. But he laid aside his prerogatives and his abilities and so forth willingly laid those things down so as to not take advantage of them but they were in him they were in him all along he was the god of this world and and they only saw him as a natural man now he was a, a supernatural man in the sense he was a miracle worker and he had wisdom and and insight but he didn't he didn't do any of those things As God, he did those things by the Holy Spirit anointing him. But they were accustomed to seeing the outward form. But on that day, a metamorphosis took place. And suddenly, what was in him all the time, every day they walked with him. They'd never seen this before. Suddenly, divinity shined out of him, shone on his face, he even affected his garments. his garments began to glow white. What was that? Who he really was on the inside was being shown on the outside. It was being demonstrated. It came out and, 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 and took possession of the outer man. That's the same word. And Paul said, "Stop being conformed." and fashioned after this world's way of thinking and instead let this this metamorphosis, let this metamorpho, this be, be metamorpho, be transformed, transfigured so that who you are on the inside takes over the outside. Who are you trying to identify with? Are you trying to identify with the Christ on the inside? Are you trying to identify with your neighbors? Your coworkers? Your unsaved friends? Who are you identifying with? Amen. Go go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 3. Look at verse number 18. But we all, I'm gonna let everybody get there. 2 Corinthians three eighteen. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Now that mirror is the word. Remember what he said in James? That those who who forget what they hear. They're like a man who looks at himself in a mirror and then goes his way and forgets what he looks like. He said, instead, look steadfastly into the perfect law of liberty. That's what this is. Look into the perfect law of liberty and stay focused on that. He said, then you will begin to reflect that. And that's what this is talking about. But we all with unveiled face... Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. It's sort of like it's a reflection. You know the moon doesn't have any light. It doesn't have any inherent light. It's, it's not, it doesn't glow from within. It's a reflection of the sun that on the on the dark side of the planet, right? the other side of the world, the sun is out and is shining over there now right now, it's night, you know, on the other half of this of this planet. But tonight, when I don't know if there's a moon out tonight or not, I don't think there is, but if there's a moon out, it's a reflection. Well, we, we are to reflect God's glory, but it's not just external, it comes from within. That's where His glory is. It's on the inside of us. Jesus said, the glory that I have, I give to them. Praise the Lord. Now, we have this, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We know that. And we're reminded of that all too often. <laughs> but it's there nonetheless. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Same word. We're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. I was reading one, one uh, author yesterday and, and he admitted, he said, I, 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 uh, uh, I one day realized that I was reading this verse wrong. He said, you know, when my life is all of, uh, you know, I used to think this way, when when my life was a mess, even as a Christian, I had everything all messed up, things weren't going right. I'd quote the scripture and said, well, I'm being changed from glory to glory. He said, but then one day I realized this doesn't say being translated from a mess into glory. (laughs) It's being translated from glory into glory. Hallelujah. Now notice, we are being transformed into the same image of the glory of the Lord from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's the Spirit of the Lord. It is the Spirit of God who will affect this transformation in our life, but he will not do it without our involvement in the word. We renew our mind with the Word of God and that gives the Holy Spirit something to work with in transforming us. That's why Paul said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you'll meditate in the Word, spend your time in the Word, start start thinking like God thinks instead of like this world thinks. If, if, If we're being conformed to this world, its thoughts and so forth, and its philosophies and its ideas. If we're letting those things creep into our life, then the Holy Spirit is hindered in our transformation because we're not giving him the right things to work. He's not gonna confirm the world's philosophies in our life. Amen he's only the holy spirit's only going to act on what on 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 the word that we apply See, we have we have the we have the word of god right here but if we ignore a a portion of the word or certain truths from the bible just because we just are either ignorant or we just don't like we just don't like what it says and don't want to be confirmed that the holy spirit is stopped right there i mean he is absolutely stopped now, he can be working in some other areas if you're, if you're in the Word in some other areas. You can be all about your, your, uh, uh, the truth of, of health and blessing. But on the other end of the spectrum, if in your attitudes about daily life, you're out of sync with the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is greatly hindered here. And his overall work, even in the area of your health or your prosperity, is going to be hindered. It's the truth the Holy Spirit sees the whole picture he doesn't see our little compartments we tend to compartmentalize our lives and this we want God in this over here we want to be left alone he doesn't see us compartmentalized he sees us amen the spirit of this age like i said has crept into the modern church instead of being transformed too many christians masquerade in the faults opinions beliefs ideologies ethics world view social movements or advocacy of this age we want to defend people Even though they're ungodly, want to defend their rights to be their way, that's not our job. I said that's not our job. When we're known by our friends as someone who never, uh, they never, if your if your friends are living in sin. And they're not uncomfortable by your life, you're not shining your light. We are not to win this world by buddying up with this world. In fact, you're sinning against your friends in the worst possible way. Well, that's the truth. Christians, Many Christians masquerade in the thoughts, opinions, beliefs, ideologies, ethics, worldview, social movements, and advocacy of this age, which becomes an opaque covering through which the Holy Spirit cannot radiate the glory of the Lord who lives in their hearts. When we take another view, when we take on another uh, uh, persona, when we're outside these doors when we're around unsaved people, our coworkers or we have friends and we just want to be accepted by them. When I got, and I've told you the details of this story, when I got back into fellowship with the Lord, just before then, you know, I I had all of my teenage years, I had rebelled against God. But I had been raised in church and I knew core Bible doctrines. Now, I, I didn't know anything about the word of faith, and, and I knew, and some of the things that that I knew about the Bible, I later learned weren't completely accurate, but there was truth there. There's a lot of truth. When I was living uh, in rebellion against God, I was trying to flush all of that out of my life because I was just living like a heathen. When I but I was so lonely and so burned out on life even though I was only 20 years old when I cried out to the Lord he came into my life with such force and such I mean it was overwhelming and suddenly the 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 bible that i knew the in other words the 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 uh doctrine that i had been established in as a child it was like it all came to the surface all of a sudden it was just it just and I, I got my Bible. I mean, it didn't, it didn't happen without me getting into the Bible. The first thing I did is I... I actually, that's how I got back into fellowship with the Lord. The Lord tricked me. <laughs> I was actually reading my Bible looking for loopholes. I, I picked up the Bible because I knew my way around the Bible and all of my unsafe friends in the world was saying, well, the Bible is full of inconsistencies and, and everybody has their own interpretation and blah, blah, blah. And so I was gonna pick up the Bible and prove, I was gonna go through it and, and to myself, point out all the inconsistencies. So that's what I was looking. I was looking for loopholes in the Bible. And, then, and the Bible got me. <laughs> and it just reached up and snatched me. And I, and, I, and I found myself, you know, calling out to God and, and he so gloriously came into my life. And then the scriptures that I had been uh, reared in just came to the surface. And I had such an insatiable passion for the Bible. Now, before this happened, uh, this was in 1972. Before this happened, 70, 71, 72, when I was working for uh, the telephone company, I worked inside a lot in the big, you know, uh, downtown buildings and the other outbuildings, you know, the telephone offices where all the switchgear is. And I had a reputation as being a really, a real weirdo. You know, because I was a hippie and there weren't many of us that worked for the phone company in those days, you know, that looked like me. And I was, you know, uh, uh, you know I was rebellious. I was... Uh, anti-establishment. Uh, uh, you know, I was just against anything that was, anybody was interested in it over over 30. I was just against everything, you know. And so I had a really terrible reputation. And, and people talked about me behind my back because I knew because I caught them. And uh, I won't go into all that. But anyway, when I got back into fellowship with the Lord, I started bringing my Bible with me. And I had it with me all the time. And I would, I would lay it beside me while I was working on circuits. And, I, and, and, when I, and I'd just go back and look at it and, and, and read a passage of Scripture and go back. And I, I carried it with me to lunch because I ate usually inside when I was working in the, in the uh, uh, switch centers, you know, switchgear centers. And I had a little break room, you know, and all the guys around eat lunch. I'd have my Bible. There. I'd eat my lunch real quick. And then I would sit there and read my Bible. And, I mean, you can imagine that got people's attention but I mean, I, I just consumed the word all the time. I discovered something that I wasn't expecting and that was I started being transformed in my thinking about everything. And I didn't like it in the sense that I still wanted to hang out with my old friends. I loved those guys. They were re- I had some really close friends that we you know we we were uh, open and transparent with one another we we talked and we had we had you know a great relationship and i just so enjoyed spending time and i just found myself out of like a duck out of water i still tried to go over to their houses or to their apartments and and, and do things and i just i felt like i was in like i was in a, a, a zombie zone or something Look like everybody, are these people are crazy. <laughs> I could not fellowship with them. Now that doesn't mean that I wasn't polite to them. It doesn't mean that I was judgmental and condemning of them. I just had nothing in common with them at all. Nothing. And to my utter disappointment. I had everything in common with those square balls at church. <laughs> I started going back to church and, and here I'm, you know, I got long hair and bell-bottom jeans and, you know, a headband and feathers and all kinds of stuff, you know, flip-flops. And I'm walking in there all in suits and ties. And I, I thought this is the corniest place to be. And I loved it. <laughs> to my, I couldn't understand it. I just loved being around them. What was happening? I was being transformed. My thinking was being transformed because I was feeding myself the Word of God every day, all day during the day. And and the Holy Spirit was taking that and when he was transforming my conduct and the way I thought. I didn't, I didn't start out to debunked, debunk, debunk, all of the philosophies that, that I had established my, my life on up until that point didn't start out. To, it just happened. It just happened. I, I dare say that I could go through and probably most of you have a similar testimony. If, if you were backslidden like I was or if you run safe, you have a similar testimony. Here's the danger. Now, listen to me. Here's the danger Here's the threat, that after we're washed, after we're sanctified, after, excuse me, after we have a knowledge of God and we've walked with him, we can begin to yield to the spirit of this age again. Under the the misguided idea of wanting to uh Maintain rapport with the unsaved so that we can be a witness to them. There's a there's a there's a a, a level of validity to that, but it's very often taken to a, a to a dangerous, unscriptural uh, uh, extent and extreme, in that we lose our testimony with the unsaved because we want to identify with them so much. We know that this world often takes good ideas to camouflage ungodly motives. There are movements, social movements that sweep through the United States and the world that on the, on the I'm having so much problem with this, contact this morning. That's why I keep rubbing this. I went off earlier and tried to fix it, but it's not working. It's very sore. So bear with me. If I take it out, I won't be able to read. (laughs) Very often these movements, these social movements that come through uh, take valid ideas and ideals but they're cover for an ungodly agenda. And Christians often, because they want to be in step with the times, they'll pick up on those movements and start endorsing those things and, and identifying with those things and liking those things on their social media and what and whatever, not knowing that they're falling into the enemy's plan and and the people that you're trying to identify, well, there's Scott. I knew you were here this morning. I was talking about your wife. I didn't see you. <laughs> I just had you say all this. Uh, they identify with this world, but the world the world's not impressed. I said the world is not impressed. When you get when you when you get on their bandwagon, your light is not shining, and you're not influencing them. It's the truth. Amen. Let me see if I can wrap this up. Go, go with me. Can you stay a little longer this morning so I can finish this? Go with me to Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians four, verse number seventeen. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. Go ahead and turn over there. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. Paul said, I'm not just making this up, guys. That you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Notice it's their minds that have a problem. Now, and that goes back to what I said earlier. A lot of people say, well, I used to be a drinker and I used to be a carouser and I used to be all of these things. I don't do that anymore, so this doesn't apply. Well, this is talking about conduct, but it's also talking about thought life. How you think. No longer You can say, that, listen, no longer think like the rest of the Gentiles think in the futility of their minds, having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. See, he said they are alienated from the life of God, but you're not. They're ignorant. They have ignorance in them. You don't. They're blind. Their hearts are blinded. Yours aren't. So why do you want to be like them? He said, you have not so learned Christ, verse 20, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on. That's bringing what's really on. Instead of, he said, get off, shed the outside that's not representative of who you are. Get rid of that, that conformity. Instead be transformed, put on the outside what's on the inside. That you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness praise the lord go with me to well let's go on over to chapter five verse eight for you were once darkness do you remember that you were once darkness but now you are light in the lord walk and i could say think like children of light For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, For whatever makes manifest is light. You know, our light is intended to expose sin. Now, I'm not saying that we go out and and condemn people. But when we're letting our light shine, that light will condemn people. And if it's not, something's wrong. Compromise has taken place. Hold. Amen. Go with me over to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. This is what Paul is actually talking about in Romans chapter 12. He's not talking about your prosperity scriptures. There's an application there, but that this is what he's talking about. How you live and how you think. Uh, James 4. Verse 4. This is not a verse that's on your refrigerator. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Wow. 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 <laughs> or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Let's see if I could thought I had a translation of that written down. It says, "The Holy Spirit." is is he he broods over us and and watches over us very jealously he's not willing to share you with anybody he's not willing for you to to have spiritual affairs with this world that's what he's talking about in the old testament you know, uh, uh, who was the prophet you know, that, that went out and had, and had all of the, uh, the, the the wives and committed adultery and all that? He was, he was demonstrating to Israel that they had committed spiritual adultery against the Lord by following after these foreign gods. That's what he's talking about. Adulteresses, adulterers, adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Wow, that ought to to really make an impact. Then go over with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Bible also says that ev- that evil company corrupts good morals. We're not to be lo- we're not to be loving this world or this world's philosophies. We're not to we're not to look like this world, act like this world, think like this world. We're not when when sinners see us, they ought to know there's a difference. They ought, they ought to be impacted by the difference. Not amazed at how much like them we are. And so not a threat to them. We're just like them. We just have Christ. But other than that, we're just like you. No, we're not. <laughs> we're not. Well, praise the Lord. It's the truth. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I told you we'd start cutting down the big trees. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Why don't you stand with me? Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we submit ourselves to you. Father, we, we make a commitment to renew our minds with the Word of God so that the Holy Spirit can work this wonderful work of transformation in our lives. So that what's on the inside, Father, comes to the outside, and and the outside is what's on the inside. Our behavior, our thoughts, our dreams, our aspirations, the, the, the way we talk what we believe in, what's important to us, what we identify with is all shaped by the glory of God on the inside of us. Father, forgive us. If there are those here, Lord, who have tried to look and act and identify with this world in order to be accepted, Father forgive them. I pray Lord that they're that they'll turn from that. Make a dedication. Like I did, no matter what it cost. No matter what it cost. I have to go with God. I made that dedication, Father, and it cost me. It cost me all those friends. It cost me But in time, some of them came back and asked for prayer. When they were in need, they knew who to turn to. Father, help us to keep our our lives pure and our thinking scriptural and straight so that our light will shine, so that we will be able to Identify that though we aren't judgmental and we aren't condemning the light that is in us will condemn and point out sin in people's lives ungodliness in their lifestyles that gives, that gives you Holy Ghost something to work on in that person's life When the light that's in us shines on their darkness and uncovers it, that is what gives the Spirit something to work with in that person's life. Father, help us to see it and to commit ourselves to it, Father, that every one of us today will do that, I pray. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.